Hello, and welcome to Simple Pursuit, the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our prayer that you will grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that you will be blessed and challenged as you listen in. Grab your Bible, because here is today's teaching. You have your Bible, take it to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Last Sunday we were storming and going crazy outside. Today we got a nice cool morning. Soak it in. It's probably going to be our last one for a long time. Beautiful sunshine. Man, what a difference a week can make. So suppose in last year's Super Bowl, or I guess that was this year's Super Bowl, because we're still in 23, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes called the timeout went to the head referee and said, well, we could make a first down, but the Eagles keep getting in the way. We're trying to make progress, but the Eagles' defense keeps stopping us. Since they're not going to let us get a first down and eventually a touchdown, we're just going to stop playing and walk off the field. That'd be crazy, right? You never see that happen. We'd call him a chump. We'd call him a quitter. Maybe we start throwing that snowflake name out there. But those actions would be absolutely foolish, right? We'd call him weak. We'd think they're all nuts. Coach Andy's lost his mind. Why? Because they don't understand that in football you've got the tests and that True success is having the ability to keep moving forward in the face of adversity when other people are trying to stop you. That's how you win the game, by overcoming that. The Apostle Paul obviously did not play football, but he had been set apart for a very specific purpose. God had told Ananias about Paul when his life was changed. And what he said about Paul to Ananias was, Ananias, Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. With all the conflict, the persecution that Paul had endured and that even the early church would endure, Paul never lost heart. Never once did he say, if the Jews would just get out of my way, If they would just let me get that first down and eventually score the touchdown, if the pagans would stop fussing over the gospel and getting in the way, I would make progress. But since they won't, I'm just going to take my toys and quit and stop preaching. You don't see that in the Apostle Paul. What you do see is what we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where he encourages the church of Corinth don't lose heart. By saying, church, you don't lose heart, he's saying, we will not lose heart. We don't lose heart. Let's look at three reasons why he says that. Looking at verse one, follow along with me. Don't lose heart because of the mercies of God. Don't lose heart because of the mercy of God. Therefore, Paul writes, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning 
or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, but with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, what we do not know, we pray, Lord, that you would teach us. And what we are not yet, Father, that you would continue to work in us and shape us, grow us in Christ-likeness to reflect your glory and the light of life to all men. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't lose heart because of the mercy of God. Paul, up to this point, had seen so many successes in ministry. As many successes as he had found in ministry, perhaps twice as many hardships along the way. When he writes in Corinthians, in verse 1, we don't lose heart. We could go back to the book of Acts and find a list of those hardships. In fact, you can go to Acts chapter 9 shortly after his conversion, and he's preaching the gospel in Damascus where he was going to arrest Christians. Instead, now he's, God's using him to make more by preaching the gospel. Out of Damascus, he barely escapes town, and he does so at night. Literally, Paul becomes the second man in the Bible to become a basket case. Moses would be the first. He's literally lowered down over the city wall in a basket at night in order to escape. Then he goes to Jerusalem. First time in Jerusalem since his conversion. And you know who doesn't want to meet with him? All the apostles and disciples. They've heard stories about this guy. They know who he is. They're afraid of him. They refuse to meet with him. There's hardship number two. That's just in the first chapter after his conversion. You can keep going down to Acts chapter 13. There in Antioch, the crowds get jealous. The Jewish leadership gets jealous because the crowds are gathering around Paul, rather, to listen to the gospel, to listen to this man. And so they stir up opposition and run him out of town. I could go on and on down the list. In fact, let's do one more. Acts chapter 14, Iconium. He goes to Iconium, and then he flees to Lystra. There he's mistreated, stoned. They finally catch up to Paul there in Lystra. They stone him, only leaving him when they think he's finally dead. But you know what? The scripture says the very next day, he got up and he goes back into the city. The very people that stoned him the day before, he's back in the city doing ministry again. And then he continues on to Derby with Barnabas. Again, we could go on. But you notice what keeps Paul going? What is it that keeps him going in the ministry? Is it the kindness of others? No. Is it the crowds, the size of his congregations? No. It is the mercy of God that keeps him going. Look again at verse 1. Having this ministry, this calling by the mercy of God. We do not lose heart. To lose heart here means a couple of things. One, it means that he didn't change the message. He didn't deceive anyone with a cunning twist on the message. 
He didn't give in to persecution to change the message. He didn't give in to the hardships to stop preaching or proclaiming the message. In other words, when he says, we don't lose heart, means that we didn't act badly or we didn't fail. But he pressed on. If anyone ever had a reason to give up or act like a coward, it would have been Paul, just because of the sheer number of times and the opposition that was mounted against him and Barnabas and Silas and others that were with him. But he pressed on. And this is what he's trying to get the church to encourage them and say, press on, don't give up, don't lose heart, don't act badly, don't fail. You don't need to change your messaging. You don't need to uh, uh, act with, uh, with uh, practice cunning ways. You don't need to tamper with God's word. You don't need to act in un- underhanded ways or disgraceful ways, tricking people. You don't need to do any of that. You just need to keep focusing on what God has called you to do. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep making disciples. Paul continues on. It is God's plan. It is God's plan. It is the mercy of God that keeps him going day after day. He's not underhanded in his teaching. He's not a disgrace. But what Paul is running into is that there are a group of people whose hearts are veiled. He says that there in verse 3. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Who are those who are perishing? The gospel appears veiled to those who are perishing. They, they can't see it. They, they don't hear it. They're not listening. Their hearts are not touched by it. But who is perishing? John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish or should not perish but have eternal life. So those who do not believe in Christ are those who are perishing. Those who are perishing are those who have not yet believed in Jesus Christ as, as Lord. They have yet, not yet trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life for the forgiveness of their sins. And he says in verse four, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We get that from Colossians chapter one. He is the perfect image of God and he has displayed this light. John chapter one tells us that he, in him was the light of life and he has come to show that light to a lost man. But here we have in verse 4, again, the old adversary. He's always at work. Just as God is always at work, he too is always at work. He doesn't rest because he doesn't want the church to be successful. He doesn't want us to make disciples. He doesn't want us to stay on task, which is to preach the gospel, make disciples, and glorify God along the way. He doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to get sidetracked on small issues, peripheral issues. He wants us to get sidetracked and think that the simple thing, the, the, the things on the side have become the main things and exchange the main thing, which is Christ Jesus and our love for him. He wants that swept to the side. And so we will always have that struggle. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. We wage a battle against the enemies and the principalities of this world. And yet it is not in the physical world where we see that happen. But even in the struggle, Paul says, don't lose heart. We must press on because the gospel is the power of God unto the salvation of everyone who believes. It is the gospel 
is, is, which is the only thing that will break through that veil. The light of Christ, as we preach and proclaim and live out the gospel, will break through that veil. We just got to keep pressing on. This is why we don't go to the referee and say, they won't let us move forward. We're just going to quit. We got to keep moving forward. Come on, Corinthians, you can do it because the gospel is the power of God to everyone who believes. Now, Paul is not giving up again because of the mercies of God. That reminds me of one of my favorite verses and has become later in my life, especially as I get older. I feel it today. Lamentations chapter three, I feel those new mercies. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Friends, that promise of God's mercies being renewed day by day. Listen again to that promise. The love of God never ends. There is not end in sight. It is eternal. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, every 24-hour cycle. His mercies are new. God's faithfulness will see to it every day, every sunrise, just out there on the horizon as we see the sun coming up, just in that moment, at the darkest point of the night, at the coldest point of the night, there is the promise of new mercies coming up on the horizon. We can see him coming. Just as we long for the return of our king, we long for those new mercies each and every day. That's what Paul had found. It's not that Paul found some kind of message to go out and help him live his best life. He didn't have some magical words to say. I mean, good grief, the man was stoned in just about every city he went. I don't know that that's exactly living your best life now, according to those who preach a prosperity gospel. But he hadn't found the, the fountain of youth. He didn't find that either, but he's simply related by Paul. It was the mercies of God that sustained him in ministry. Church, what keeps us going each and every day? What keeps us moving forward as Coastal Oaks Church? It is not your great pastor and his so-so preaching. It is the mercies of God. What keeps our praise team going when they don't have the leader that they had? It is the mercies of God. What keeps us going when a storm comes and rips up one of our buildings or all of our buildings? It is the mercies of God. What keeps us going when something like COVID strikes us and we're told suddenly we can't meet anymore? It is the mercies of God. What happens when we lose loved ones or they move away? It is the mercies of God because we know the mercies of God are going to bring in other people to fill those gaps with those same kind of gifts. It is the mercies of God that keep us going forward. Even when we come into strife within the family, we see in low that it is the mercies of God that will keep us moving forward. It keeps us focused on the gospel. It was God who called Paul to this. Look at the glorious message of verse 6. Look at this message. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Friends, you have something that those whose hearts are still veiled don't have. The one who resides in you is the one who said way back at the very beginning, let there be light. He's referencing Genesis 1-3 there. Let there be light. The same God who said, let there be light, he spoke and there was light. Shining into the darkness is the same one, if you've trusted Christ, who is shining into your heart. And he gives you, that is a grace gift, he gives you the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. How does he do that? In the face of Jesus Christ. 
What a glorious promise and message and truth that is. The same God, the same creator, is that same merciful God who gave us the gospel, Christ crucified, buried, raised, returning. And in Paul's life, and in Paul's life, brought the dead man in his sin, hunting down Christians, brought him to life in Christ. And that is the message that Paul is proclaiming, the same light, the same gospel. It's the same message we proclaim. It's the same gospel to those who listen and trust and believe. Friends, God was merciful when he saved Paul. Merciful. And Paul kept preaching, kept ministering, and he's urging the church to do the same thing. And I wonder, has God's mercy captured your heart like it has captured Paul's heart? Will you look at the Apostle Paul and where he's leading his churches? He was an example, a walking, a living example of radical obedience. Why? Because he knew firsthand how merciful God was and is and would be in his life. And he remained obedient, even in the face of opposition. And there, in obedience, we come to know more of God's mercy. As we walk and we encounter those hardships, we encounter more of his mercy time after time, day after day. So if you're discouraged this morning, I want you to remember that even in all the difficulty that Paul faced, he never lost heart. He never gave up. He kept his focus on Christ Jesus. Listen to what he says to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 3. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, Christ is the ultimate source of light and life. All others will fail. All others will fall short. All others will lead into darkness. But God graciously will expose that darkness and empowers his church to live as children of the light, children of Christ. Now, verse 14 of Philippians 3, you see what he said? He said, my eyes or his eyes remain focused on Christ Jesus. We can never start loving something else more than we love Jesus. The minute we start doing that, the minute we put something above Jesus Christ is the minute that we step into decline. It's the minute we step into sin. We never put anything above loving Jesus. And you look at Paul's life. He was committed. He talked about it. He walked it because his heart and his eyes were always on Jesus Christ. And as we are being transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit, we grow in Christ-likeness. Second thing he says, verse 7 through 12, don't lose heart when the world comes against you because of the surpassing power of God which resides in you. Don't lose heart when the world comes against you because the surpassing power of God resides in you. Look at this in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, 
so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Why do you store things for safekeeping? Some of you probably have a safe at home, uh, although those aren't, they're not always too safe, right? If you don't bolt them down or put them to the floor or something, but you might keep them there. You might have a key in your possession to a safety deposit box at one of our local banks. That's a good way to protect things. They didn't have that kind of storage facility back then. They really did store things in clay pots. Clay pots were used to hold so many different things, um, silver, gold, whatever else uh, they could have stored there, wheat, uh, food, oil, stuff, all kinds of different things. But Paul helps us to see how priceless the message is of the gospel that God has entrusted to you, to every believer, not just the pastor, not just your deacons, but the church as a whole. And the treasure he's talking about is the treasure of the gospel, the gospel of God's mercy, the gospel of God's grace in sending Jesus to die for sinners. The precious, precious message of the gospel, the message that sets us free from our sin, the message that brings life into us out of darkness, God has put into perishable containers. You and me. We are those perishable containers. But the message is eternal. The message goes forever. The message is priceless, but he's given it to us. Paul had received this amazing gift when the light of the world shined upon his heart and changed him. The good shepherd knew his name, that he had tasted and seen the goodness of God when he took and trusted in the bread of life. Today, that grand message of the gospel still goes forward. It's carried around the world like the missionaries and church planners you've seen this morning, just by weak and frail human beings, clay pots, to show what? If the message was so important, why did God store it in clay pots? Because of the surpassing power and greatness. It does not belong to me. It does not belong to the church. It is God's surpassing power. It is his greatness. Those things belong to God, not to us. On May 6th, King Charles, uh, just next Saturday, I believe, King Charles III will be... Uh, uh, go through the coronation ceremony and all the pomp and pageantry will be on display and we're going to hear about it all week long, blah, 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 you know, 1776, whew, peasants revolt. But, uh, you know, there he's going to have uh, the old tyrant, no, I mean the old king, he's going to have his uh, crown placed on his head and all the fun things, he's going to have his robe and the scepter or whatever else, uh, ask Rick if you have questions about it, he'll tell you. <laughs> He gets quite passionate about those things. But you know what that robe is wrapped around? The crown is sitting on the scepter in the hand. You know who's sitting on the throne? You know what that is? It's a clay pot. He's a clay pot just like you and me. Friends, this is the beauty of the treasure that he has given to us, that it's just ours for a little while. We are responsible for it while we have breath in our lungs and we carry that priceless treasure with us wherever we go. You know what is also amazing about a clay pot? 
Think about that clay pot. If it's full of sand or salt or whatever you want to put in there, what happens when it's broken? It goes everywhere, right? What happens when we face hardship and we're broken? If, if that gospel is in us, it's what comes out. Not fighting, not backbiting, not seeking revenge, not gossip, not sin. If the gospel is in there, when we're broken and we face hardship, what comes out is the gospel. That's what you see in Paul's life. This jar of clay, this treasure in his jar of clay, he would get up and go in the city the next day and keep on preaching. Let not your hearts be troubled. We have to remember that the anchor holds, that we have this hope of God's word. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, that we may be hard-pressed, Paul says, and there's going to come a day where we're going to be afflicted like never before, but we will not be crushed. We will be perplexed, confused, or discouraged, but we will not be completely without hope. We will face persecution, but we are not forgotten. They may strike us down, but in Christ we are not destroyed. Let not your hearts be troubled, my friends, because God has placed you in this treasure of the gospel. That's what Paul is trying to get across to the Corinthians. Even if the old clay pot is broken, it is the gospel that is spilled out to the glory of God. Finally, don't lose heart, but rather renew your inner self day by day, for joy comes in the morning. Perhaps I should reword that To avoid losing heart, renew your inner self day by day. He says in verse 13, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. There you go. The resurrection is everything, for it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, verse 16. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The way we find renewal comes as we cry out to the Lord. Paul quotes from Psalm 116. Listen to the psalmist in 116. He says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol lay hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Verse 10. This is the one he actually quotes. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. That's in verse 13. And verse 13 is directly from verse 10 where Paul is 
referencing the psalmist. The psalmist at this point was persecuted, just like Paul had experienced persecution and would continue, just like the church. Death was all around him. But the message was simple. Looking into the hills from where your help comes from, the maker of heaven and earth, when you look to the Lord, there, even in the, though death is all around you, comes life. The message is life out of death. Even in the midst of death, the Lord delivered him. The psalmist, in the midst of hardship and anguish, exercised faith. He lifted up his eyes to see where his help came from. And he says in verse 10, I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. When when he prayed, I am afflicted, he wasn't saying, woe is me, and quitting. He was looking to the Lord because he knew that's where his help would come from. He believed, even when he says, I am afflicted, he believed God would come to his rescue and that God would restore him. And this is exactly what Paul is pointing the Corinthians to. We have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written. I believed and so I spoke, even when I'm afflicted. I may be afflicted in every way, but I'm not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You'll see it again in just as 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul tethers us to the anchor of hope the anchor of the hope that is the resurrection of Christ. Again, looking forward, even in the affliction, always looking forward to the return of Christ. That daily renewal helps us to reorient our hearts and our minds toward the future as we press on. For Paul, the resurrection is everything. He who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us up, not like Lazarus, because Lazarus died again, but like Jesus once. On the cross, he died. He'll never die again. He lives. He remained and is alive today. So all of the service, all of the ministry that we do is done so that thanksgiving and worship is extended to the glory of God. So because of this great ministry, because of this great calling on Paul's life, our life, we are called to the same to make disciples. Because of that, because God has put that in our hearts, because God has called us to Christ, because God has equipped us with a dwelling of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit has gifted us with the tools and the gifts that we need to see that ministry happen. Because Christ is going to return, and he calls us to be faithful, we do not lose heart, even though on the outside we're wasting away. But that inner man, that inner man is indwelt again by the Spirit, that inner man is being renewed day by day. That's the work of the Spirit. Friends, the struggles we face in life, even as the church, are quite small when compared to the eternity that we're going to spend in God's presence. Ultimately, when we look to Jesus, you've got to look to Jesus as the author and finisher of the faith. What Jesus offers you is eternal life. That eternal life isn't seen yet, but it will be. What you see around you this morning will not last. The things we're trying to finish, the the sanctuary that we sit in this morning, these things that you are around us, they will not last. Even this old clay pot that you're listening to this morning, he's not going to last. But we've got to look to Jesus 
who said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world, so we keep our eyes on Christ. Why? Because he overcame the world. He is the one we turn to in order to have our sins forgiven, to receive eternal life, and to keep pressing on and to not lose heart. Thank you for listening to The Simple Pursuit, the preaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church. I want to invite you to attend on a Sunday morning with us in beautiful Rockport, Texas. We strive to make disciples who will make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Come join us in the simple pursuit of loving, knowing, and serving Jesus.